This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Man, sometimes I think I'd rather just see my team get blown out than have such an incredible comeback fall just short That's at the a goal good line. Question, though, because it is, right? It's a sports philosophy rather, question. Would you rather the score at halftime was what? Tw- 23 to nothing, and then it was 29 to nothing before they started to score. Would you have rather a final score of thirty-three to nothing or, or thirty-four to nothing, something like that? I don't know rather that. Than, than go through the the head trauma of yeah of just just an, oh an, we're so close oh my god we're gonna Harrison have it. Smith fist away Harrison Smith knocked that ball at the last possible second. I I think it's a really fun sports philosophical question, and in the moment during the comeback, you know when it's. 29 to 7 and then it's 14 and then it's you know 21 and it's like whoa wait a minute here like I did not expect the Steelers to do this that's a lot of fun but then you get down to it and it was all for naught and we pulled the plug on the game early plugged it right back in the middle only to have the plug pulled again from us at the end so obviously you'd rather have the Steelers come back show that fight show that they're not going to quit it's a tough team. It rallies around their coach. It rallies around their veterans, and they did that. But, man, it stinks when you think the game's already over and you just get your heart ripped out even though you thought you couldn't. Did it hurt even more, too, after that long, what was it, 60-yard touchdown pass? To Osborne? To Osborne. Thinking, okay, well, there it is. The game's over. Who Was that Sutton that just fell? Did just yeah, he fell. Fell right over fell. during that? Would it hurt even more that after that play you assumed, okay, well, now the game has to be over. But then. And then the Steelers continued to fight back. And scored a touchdown, like, real fast. They had 4-14 left on the clock when Frymuth scored that touchdown. And Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball to Deontay Johnson for the two-point conversion to go down by eight points. And then, of course, the Steelers would get the ball back again. And you all know it ended with a pass to Fryermuth in the end zone in his hands. But Harrison Smith, the great safety for the Vikings, knocked it out. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman with you here on an episode of the Steelers Standard, breaking down the Steelers and Vikings game on Thursday Night Football. Before we dive into this game, I want to go one level further about the what-ifs here. Okay, go another level further. Would, your, would you rather your team not make the playoffs or lose the Super Bowl? Oh, lose the Super Bowl ten times. I don't know, out of 10. Tom. No, I that's a dumb still one. Don't know if that's I a dumb question. From 2010. That's a dumb question. <clears throat> Think about all the fun you had on the way to that Super Bowl, though. You won two or well, three playoff not, games. Okay, what if what if just a one and done, one win? Now in that's the, in the a more playoffs. that's a more debatable topic. Yeah. Okay, you make the playoffs. You make and you win one game rather than lose the big one. Yeah, I'd rather. I still think I'd rather make the playoffs uh, and lose than not make the playoffs at all, or make the playoffs and win one well, game. Well, yeah, of course you'd rather make the playoffs, playoffs and lose than not make the. But the question is, make the playoffs, win one game, or make yeah. the playoffs, go all the way to the Super Bowl but lose. I'd rather go to the Super Bowl. hundred uh, percent. I mean, I come don't on. Think so. You, you, you win your Until you win your the conference. Steelers win another Super Bowl. I will never recover from Rashard Mendenhall. I don't even know who that is. I don't, I don't even, even remember who I you're talking about. I brought that name up, but oh, I, Tom, I swear to you, mentally, I I am not at a hundred percent capabilities of whatever I can do in my life since 2000. That that fateful fe- uh, February night in 2011. Well, the only guy who's still on this team, not a coach. Uh, I should say that's a player that's still on this team from that team is Ben Roethlisberger. And that's kind of where I wanted to start it with here because 
another game where Ben Roethlisberger just lights the world on fire. Uh, Najee Harris scored the first touchdown with 2.11 left in the third quarter, and then the Steelers scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including a two-point conversion like I just mentioned. It seems to be this weird thing with Ben this year where he just is average or pedestrian for a quarter, two quarters, three quarters, and then there's one quarter where he just lights the world absolutely on fire. I mean, we saw that against the Chargers during that comeback. We saw that against the Vikings. I don't know if I'd qualify as the Ravens game as lighting the world on fire. It was but, more consistent. But, but he started to score touchdowns in the fourth, fourth quarter, quarter. He was literally perfect, 158.3 So rating. it's this like weird dynamic in Ben's swan song of a season where, oh, I'm just going to be pedestrian for a little bit, but I can still turn this clock back. I, I can give you one quarter of vintage Ben. It seems like as we've rounded ourselves into the, 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 the stretch run of the season and players are entering their season prime, I think Ben is starting to find that out for himself that, you know, I got one quarter in me here where I can I can still turn this thing back. And, Jacob, it's upsetting me because how much fun would the narrative be if this defense could have been as elite as we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year? Because the defense was supposed to be good enough for Big Ben to be able to take three quarters off. And I'm not saying that like he's doing it on purpose, but to be off in three quarters – and score three touchdowns in a fourth quarter, and that should be all you need to win the game. I mean, we were saying at the beginning of the year, if this offense could just get you to that 20-point mark, this defense should give you a chance to win a lot more games than you're going to lose. And that's just not been the case. And I think as I sit here today doing this show with you, and and I sat there yesterday thinking about this, and I was like, man, it would be such a great narrative in his last year to have this kind of fourth quarter comeback gunslinger Steelers look dead in the water a couple of times this year, and then Ben rides in on his white stallion in the fourth quarter and does vintage Ben things and wins you the football game. Like, we should be having that. Should have happened against the Chargers. Had the lead against the Chargers, and the defense blew that. Should have probably happened against the Vikings because even though great play by Harrison Smith at the end, and that only ties it if you get the two-point conversion, you shouldn't be giving up the K.J. Osborne touchdown to make it 36. Like, 29 was the you max. You shouldn't fall into a 29 to nothing hole. You shouldn't have done that, but once you did, 29 needed to be the max. You had, you had to shut them out from there on out, and you did a phenomenal job until that very last Osborne 62-yard bomb from Kirk Cousins where Cam Sutton did fall down in coverage. So this defense is very upsetting to me this year, and injuries obviously are playing a part when it comes to how it's not as good as we thought it was going to be. But, I mean, that was supposed to be the team's identity, and seeing Big Ben able to play like he has in these random quarter spurts, that's enough to win you 10-11 football games this year, but not with the defense playing the way it is. It really upsets me because I have to think back to 2019 when Ben was out for the entire year, and I think the defense was maybe at its peak that year. Either that year or the ne- the very next year. Those two were the best But 2020, defenses. you lost Devin Bush and you lost Bud Dupree. Good point, and it kind of fell off a cliff after that. I mean, the rush defense especially. We saw the numbers before and after those two guys went down. But, but uh, Devin's rookie year in 2019, that defense shut down essentially every opposing offense they went up against. It was elite. It was just the fact that you had a guy named Duck Hodges throwing the ball. And sure, there was no Chase Claypool, there was no Najee Harris, but if Ben Roethlisberger is out there, Tom, that team won eight games with with Mason and, and Duck. Twelve I think, win team. I think twelve win team easily. I mean, they they won what in twenty eighteen? They won nine and six and one because of the two big distractions. Le'Veon Bell was sitting out that year, 
And, and then Brown quit then, at the end of the game. And then AB quit year, in the yeah. last game of the year in the Cincinnati game. So there were issues surrounding the team. Now you're distraction-free. Both guys are gone. Uh, are you distraction? Are you talking about 2019? 2019. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm 2019. Sorry. I, f- I flashed forward to 2021, and oh, I was well, like, well, my next, topic, tell, my next topic on my topic sheet tells us we're not very well not distracted. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, 2019, you were essentially distraction-free. You had your sights yeah, You're set. like a high school football team rallying around and these. And let's not forget that... James Conner is coming off of his breakout year in yeah, 2018. Se- or if, almost 1,000-yard season. If Ben Roethlisberger is healthy that entire year, that team is playing. I mean, James Conner probably doesn't get as hurt as often as he does. Juju may not suscept, um, put himself to susceptible injuries like he did t- throughout 2019. I think that's easily a 12-win tw- uh, team, maybe even 13, dare I say. But those are the expectations for the defense that we had in 2021 because you were getting – but or you were getting Devin Bush back. Kevin Colbert went out and got you Joe Schobert. He got you Melvin Ingram. Yes, you lost Mike Hilton, but we were talking ourselves up so highly about the 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 ceiling of of Cam Sutton and Pierre and Lane needed to break out and Alex Highsmith they were really high on and and I'm still not out on Alex Highsmith. No, I, I don't think so either. I mean, he's not performing to the level of which I th- I thought he could, but he's still doing a consistently decent enough job out there. It's just give him some time. It's, it's only his first year really given the starting job last year, uh, 29, or 2020. He only got starting reps because of the injury that Bud Dupree suffered. So give him maybe another year, and if he's still not reaching that potential, then maybe the question needs to start being asked. But, wow, Tom, I could not agree with you more. This team should not be sitting at, what, 6-6-1 six, six and one through 14 weeks. It's just everybody was so quick to get to it's the quarterback's fault. It's Big Ben's fault. And I think earlier in the season, I was in that same boat because he was just not looking like himself. I mean, there was the play, was it the Bengals game where he tripped over himself and just fell down? I mean, that never happened. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who personified grace without looking graceful in the pocket. I mean, that guy looked like a train wreck, but he still somehow got away from every... The pocket presence was out of this world despite not looking that great. He always knew where the pressure was coming and how to evade it. And he trips over his own leg. Like, that never happens. That's and a sign of his age. And now you compare that to just two days ago on Thursday night. That's what my point is. When, like, he's when, rounding into shape as the season moves on and gets later, and no one around him is help picking up the slack. Mm-hmm. And people want to say, oh, it's Big Ben. He's too old. That's the problem. We need a real quarterback. Wake up. You've gotten a real quarterback at least the past six or seven weeks. Two plays that stuck out to me that were vintage Ben. The fourth down scramble. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Couldn't believe that. And then the touchdown pass via the pump fake. Yes. And there was one going back to the Ravens game, the first Deontay touchdown pass. He pump faked in a no, deep, that's what I, Sorry, the, last the Ravens two game. Weeks. Yeah, the last two weeks. It the was DN a, jumped it was out of his shoes. This past week. Yeah. And then, and then he then hit the Deontay wide open, yeah. yeah. Wide I mean, open. he's still got the pump fake for him. He's used that a couple times this mm. season. So but that one where he the, the Ravens defender he was jumped free. about 10 feet in the air. He was a free rusher. Yeah. There was no one blocking him. He, he got blocked by Ben's pump fake, and yeah, that is vintage. But it just is so upsetting to me because I was worried at the beginning of the year that number seven would hold this team back. Boom, fast forward now. He's the reason why they're even in these football games, and – should have gotten the Chargers win because of him. Should have gotten the Vikings win because of him. That's two more wins. Your record's at 8-4-1 and one instead of 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. And each loss, the Chargers loss. And, and if he's healthy, he's beating the, the Lions. So oh, 
Without a doubt. Yeah. So that's what? It's nine, and, nine and three. Or nine and four, excuse me. Because you <laughs> Guess who's nine tie. and four? The number one team in the AFC, the New England, New England Patriots. Patriots. So you'd be tied for first, and I don't even know where the tiebreaker would lie, but you'd be you'd be first in your division. The things that were supposed to be the strengths are letting down what was supposedly the weakness. Well, okay, so I'll go. I don't know about one of these. So the 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 Minnesota Vikings loss I can put on the defense for falling into that twenty nine nothing hole for allowing that long touchdown pass to Osborne. The rushing defense in the first half. Yeah, too. I, mean, I mean, you had, what, 150 yards allowed in the first half, yeah, something like that? Yeah, he finished but with over 200 yards. The Chargers loss, I'm going to put that on the offensive line because okay. that last drive of which the Steelers were in possession of the ball and had the potential to ride, drive down the field. They wanted to do what they did against the Vikings on Thursday night, that last drive. But what's What happened, Tom, to start? Sack. 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 Exactly. And then offensive, you're faced with a fourth and, what, 29 on your own one-yard line. Offensive line, I think, has uh, it's a good place to go to next. That has a fair share of blame in this one, too. Ben was sacked and hit harder more than any game this year. Five sacks for the Vikings. We said on More our show, yeah, we said on our show all week leading up to it, we said on, you know, advanced scouts, countdown to kickoff, hey, you think you're Blitzburg and you're the best team at sacking quarterbacks, and you're right because you lead the league and you average 3.1 a game, but the Vikings average 3.0 a game. Like, they're pretty much simpatico with you as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. And what? remember what I said? I said, hey, they're not a, a one-man show like the Steelers can be sometimes, where it's TJ and Cam have almost 80% of the Steelers' sacks, and then the rest are, you know, Highsmith's got a couple and a couple here and there. 16 different guys for the Vikings had at least a half a sack heading into that game. And, Jacob, I think you saw that come to play. Like, the pressure that they would put and the blitzes that would come. And Harris, the one sack that stands out to me is the Harrison Smith blitz that they just sent. Just completely he, unblocked. He sandwiched That was their last block of the game, I believe. And just... he, he crushed him. So you got to give the line at least a little bit what of credit. What a drive crusher that was. Protecting too. him towards the end of the game. But he was hammered all game long. And, yeah, that offensive line, man. They are grasping for straws up there. Kendrick Green is not good at snapping a football, and that's pretty nope. important to the center's job. And people are quick to remind you, you, you know, you moved from guard to center, so it's still a learning process. It's been 12 games now. I mean, you got to start to show a little bit of progress, and it almost seems like he's getting worse. And mm -hmm. Dan Moore's a rookie. He's having growing pains. Dotson was supposed to be the guy that broke out, but he's been injured, so it's John LeGlue who – Everybody thought was going to be the second coming last week, but this week showed you why he's just a journeyman. And then Trey Turner, who's just, you know, he's at the end of his road in a pretty successful NFL career. And Zach Banner's just, you know, Zach Banner. And Chooks is just Chooks. So, I mean, Banner's just big. Chooks, is, Chooks just is just a guy. So the line is a huge, huge problem. And maybe you hope that it's just, you know, a young team that needs to grow there. And next year they'll be even better when you bring back these pieces. But I don't know. I feel like they needed to build that offensive line on the fly pretty quickly with the surprise retirements of Pouncey and DeCastro. And I just don't think it's real easy to build an offensive line on the fly like that. So I think you got to invest more into that O-line in the offseason. But the only problem is you got to invest in that. You're probably going to look for a quarterback. I think you need another wide receiver. You need another backup running back. You need a defensive lineman. Probably time to start looking for a middle linebacker. Probably a decent time to look for another cornerback. I mean, it's everywhere, right? Like, it's everywhere, everywhere is a spot that they need help. I think your building pieces moving forward are on offense. It's just Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryer. Agreed. On defense, it's probably just Minka and TJ Watt. And I guess Cam, but 
But Cam, I, I'm too old. moving forward yeah. because Cam, you know, he just got his deal what last year. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to sign him again, which would really hurt because I don't want to see him in another jersey. But it's just the facts of life with, with getting to be that old. But your core guys who are young and you need to keep are there's just five names, Tom. That's it. Yeah, it's could be potentially dark days for the Steelers coming up. But the thing that I, I always try to remind people is, and this is so far fetched because it's so hard to find a quarterback in the NFL, especially when you go about the rookies and the draft class. It's kind of a crapshoot, uh, and there's especially not a, a Joe Burrow type coming out of this class where mm-hmm. you think slam dunk number one over. I don't think there's going to be a quarterback taking number one this year. I think Thibodeau, the DN from Oregon, is going to end up be the number one pick because he's just. He's such a game-breaker, and there's not a real quarterback out there. I think one will go in the top ten, but I don't think that we'll have a number one overall quarterback pick this year. Well, it's going to be most likely the Lions. Who have the pick, right. And they kind of need a quarterback. They do, but I just don't. If I was Man Campbell, I'd be sitting in my office, and yes, I said Man Campbell on purpose, and I'd be like, Kenny Pickett's decent prospect, Matt Corral, decent prospect. I think I'm good with Jared Goff and just try to tank, tank again another year and see what the next class looks like because I think the next class is supposed to be a bit better. So I don't see the Lions potentially take. Plus, he's, I, that guy wants a defensive stud, I can tell. So I, I just don't see that happening. But anyway, back to the Steelers. You know, it just takes hitting on that quarterback. Like you can have a bad offensive line, you can have a defensive line that needs repaired. You need more linebacking help. Could use another weapon in the receiving game. Could use a back to spell Najee. All that is great, and you if you filled all that in but had a bad quarterback, that ain't going to get you anywhere. But if you have pedestrian people around him and you get that rookie quarterback that shows in his rookie year, whoa, holy bleep, this guy can play in the NFL. And then you build those pieces around him because he's going to be cheap for the first four years, remember, mm-hmm. and you build up around that guy. I mean, that's the way to, that you can accelerate your rebuild quickly if you get that quarterback. Someone called into Madden the other day. You know, they have all these other pieces. They don't really need a quarterback. They need to figure out all these other pieces first. I understand what you're saying. That's kind of a long-term way to build a team, and you can kind of fall into a Tommy Maddox and have great players around an average quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if you hit on that quarterback and you have a really good, potentially great young quarterback, he masks a lot of the inefficiencies Case in point, Mac Jones in New England. Well, I don't know if that's a great example because they have all the pieces there. A good line, good tight end. So – Steelers will have a running back and a tight end for him to work but with. What, I mean, they had most of those pieces last year, too. It was just they had Cam Newton and whoever else. Jared with Stidham. the bad offensive line, though, a young mobile quarterback can mask some of those sure. mistakes that they're making. I'm not saying Ben needs to do that. He can't. He's not able to get out of a pocket and make something out of nothing. So all year long at the beginning of the year, it was you can either have a bad offensive line with a mobile pocket-aware quarterback or you can have a great offensive line with a statuesque quarterback, but you can't have the bad offensive line. With the statue-like quarterback. And or... that's what the Steelers have this year. And so I, I I don't know. I'm just saying it's dark days coming up, but you hit on that quarterback, and it, the sun comes out a lot faster than you'd expect it to. So. I think that's one of the areas they should definitely entertain either this year or the coming year or potentially in free agency because it could really jumpstart this entire team. And like we said, the quarterback's been playing pretty decently right now, and you see that the offense can put up some points in spurts. So it's not like it's incredibly inept Mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. One thing I want to get to before we wrap up this episode, though, regarding the offense is the slow starts in these games. I mean, 
is it time to go with the no huddle with Ben Roethlisberger? It, they have most of their success when they're, you know, fire drill, come back. We're down by we multiple scores. Up against the we wall. have to go no huddle. You have to operate like that. You hand Ben the keys, and they're moving the ball down the field at will whenever he's calling the plays and calling the no huddle. So I think that it's wise to come out next week against the Titans after you got a long week where you can put this in and really prepare for it. And I would go no huddle from the jump. Mm. And you know what? When's the last time? It's Peyton Manning's Colts, right, that a team just decided to go no huddle from the start of the game to the finish? Mm. Why is that something that has just gone away? Like, why has that been sanitized away from the NFL? Like, Manning was really the only one that ever did it to success, and then everybody was like, well, that's so stupid. Like, you need a Peyton Manning to be able to do that. I don't okay? think so. There's a lot of Peyton Mannings in the NFL. I, I Mentally, I mean, Manning. Ben's mentally there. Brady's mentally there. Like In terms of experience, for sure. And if you have a two-minute offense in every time you need to scramble and get down the field fast and you trust your quarterback to do it then when there's a ton of pressure, why can't you trust him to do it when the game just started? You know, you can make a mistake and make up for your mistake. So I think you start no huddle, and I think that's the MO for the Steelers for the rest of the season is that no huddle offense. And the one thing that Ben keeps saying about it is it's not just about us. It makes the defense more basic when you go no exactly. huddle. They can't sub. They can't do their you know exotic build blitzes, play calls like oh we're gonna do. This. They have to get the play in fast and it's they got to keep it basic. Play call that yeah, that and they react there. to the offense a lot more. So I think it's high time. That Correct they start me if doing I'm wrong, that. Tom. Wasn't there a prevalent no huddle offense in the AB Lev Bell era for that point exactly? They, because the op the the opposing defense had no idea is the ball gonna go to Le'Veon is the ball gonna go to A B we don't know we didn't have time to prepare to look at what the offense was was forming here getting up to the line of scrimmage, right I mean that's that's a huge contributing factor as to why that offense was so high potent, and maybe you know you do this no huddle and it's like your young offense doesn't have to think as much mm -hmm. and maybe you don't have your offensive lineman thinking it a little extra hard and. You know, maybe you don't have Nodge or you don't have the receivers thinking before the snap. It's just it, things are moving so fast, so you just have to play football, and your instincts take over for you. I think it's the smart thing to do. Ben has said in multiple post-game press conferences after the Chargers game, after the Vikings game, I think he said it after the Ravens game, yeah, we have our most success in no huddle. We have our most success in no huddle. He's basically banging the table, begging them to let them use the no huddle throughout the football game and not just, oh, we're down 29 to nothing. Well, guess it's time where we got to start running a little faster and trying to squeeze more plays into our offense because we need a lot of points here if we want to come back. No, don't wait until it's dire straits to implement what has been the most successful offense for you. Do it from the beginning of the game. And I'm sorry, it's got to be a Canada ego thing, and it's got to be yeah. a butting of heads between Canada and Roethlisberger. And all the evidence on the field tells me that Roethlisberger is the one that I want the offensive Making keys the with. Calls. Yes. yes. The only time they have success is when Ben Roethlisberger is the maestro out when there. When it's the no-huddle yes. offense, and Canada doesn't have time to get into Ben's It is ear high time. Run this play for him. Now, Canada's still in his ear during the no-huddle, mm -hmm. and they're still communicating. But he's not saying no. this play to this execution. No. It's high time that you hand the keys over to Ben for the majority of the football game. And I'm not saying that Canada needs to just start drinking coffee and eating donuts up in the booth and just spectate and be a fan. You still have to contribute. You still have to communicate to Ben what you're seeing the defense show him and talk to him on the sideline and talk to him in his helmet. 
but you got to give most of the play calling duties over to that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And why are you sorry, Tom? Because I, I don't like to say that about a, a guy who's trying to cut his teeth in this league as an offensive coordinator, but you're not an offensive coordinator in the NFL, dude. It, it, you're a little above your pay grade right now. I, I think you strike me as a positions coach at best, not That's a guy. Who, were. Not a guy who can coordinate an entire offense. I think offense. the reason that he got this job was because Randy Fickner just. It was it was long overdue that Randy Fickner had to be relieved of his duties, and I think the Steelers more so than any other franchise love to promote from within. And Matt Canada was the next guy up. Next guy up, and had this you know. Oh, these motions, and he puts a lot of pre-snap motion, and that's something we were the worst at. And he likes to go under center, and he likes to, you know, hand the ball off. And all year long, there's kind of been this theme of like, well, Matt Canada doesn't really have his quarterback. He needs a more mobile quarterback to really execute the offense. And and Ben doesn't really wanna. You can tell he doesn't really wanna execute the offense the way that it is. And what I say to those nerds is. You might have been right in my mind a couple of weeks ago or four or five weeks ago, but recently, oh my God, Shut have you been more wrong. It's the offensive scheme that's the problem that Canada wants to implement. It's not – why are we saying, well, Big Ben's not the right cornerback for this offense. They, they need to get a guy in there to run the offense the way it is. No. Mm. Canada needs to run the offense tailored to the quarterback that he has. And – Frankly, that's the job. Frankly, that's just letting him do his thing right. and step it back a little job. bit. It's not people need to do what I want. Yeah, this is my I offense, to... and we run it no matter no. what. No, a good offensive coordinator uses the pieces he has to the and and executes around them, not the vi- not the vice versa. Uh, no matter what, this is how we do things here in the Matt Canada offense, and I don't care if it's a guy in a wheelchair at quarterback. We run it this way. That's foolish. That's not uh, being an NFL coach. What does Brady or Brady, <laughs> Freudian slip? What does Belichick do better than anybody? Throw a game plan in the trash when it's not working. Oh, we're getting adjust. gashed here. Well, I know exactly how to adjust that. They're not gonna like this 13-minute halftime because we are going to school, baby. We are redoing our entire game plan. Mm-hmm. You gotta adjust. I'm gonna adjust. All the other coordinators adjust. Butler adjusts. You need to adjust when things aren't working can't have that college mindset where it's like I'm the I'm the general here I'm the lead guy I know what's best for these kids they're just not running it right no these are NFL players they're gonna run your offense as right as they possibly can it's not a matter of the Jimmys and Joes aren't good enough your X's and O's just suck 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 and I think that that's something that needs to be re-evaluated in the offseason and that's you hate that kind of turmoil but I'm sorry, it's it's already reached the end of its rope with the Mac again. Canada you're apologizing, experience. Tom, and you don't need to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for apologizing. <laughs> uh, but at, yeah, I'm done with Matt Canada. I, I think it's time to to move on from that. And position. what a shame because it's been again, one year. It's been had, one we had year. Such high hope, saying, "Oh, the flashes you got out of Matt Canada off- Matt Canada's offense in 2020. Ooh, that's gonna be. Uh, we'll be licking our chops at that in 2021. Can't wait for a full season of that. But by gosh, we're not even." through the full season and we're already done with it well that'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard a lot more to sink our teeth into when it comes to this football game though I didn't even get into Chase Claypool so, oh, so, oh. <laughs> keep your ear out for our later episode that we do today because that's going to be geared towards him I promise you that for Jacob Brecht I'm Tom Opperman and we'll talk to you guys on that next episode of the Steelers Standard <laughs>